Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 221st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. It's 22nd. Yeah. What did I say? 21st. Did I really? I think so. 22nd. How are you doing today, Kyle? Uh, I'm doing great, Cameron. How are you? I, I think I... Do you have a good... Uh, I wrote down 22nd. Actually, I wrote down 222 first. So maybe I did what? mess up. Um, what do you want to say? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah. Leave yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Good. That's good to hear. <laughs> so it sounds like there's nothing really more that you want to talk about there or anything. So no, what about you, producer probably Cameron? shouldn't. Yeah, it was. We had some sick family this year, so it was a small group, but that's still pretty relaxing. So, are you ill now? No, I didn't see anyone who was sick. Oh, they okay. didn't. They didn't come. Oh, okay. small group. That. Small group. Okay. <clears throat> well, gotcha. How about you? Do you enjoy it? Oh, it's just great. Just fine. Wonderful. I was traveling back from family's house uh, on Friday. Missed the very beginning of the football game. Mm. But it was at a kind of a – I knew what time the game was, and that's kind of a weird time to be traveling home because we had to leave fairly early to get home in time for the start of the game. We could have watched the game there, but then it had been yeah, super yeah. late getting home. You don't want to watch it with family. That is also true. Um, a lot has happened since last time we talked, yeah. Mizzou sports-wise. Yeah. Um, beat Arkansas – it's now portal season immediately. Uh, we're going bowling. We are undefeated in basketball. Kind of good times right now. A nice week, mm-hmm. more or less. Some bad, some good. Mostly good? Mostly good. Uh, before we get into the details, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Leave us a review. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. And just leave a like on the video if you're watching over on YouTube. We appreciate that. Let's start with basketball and then do football. Does that sound okay? That sounds just fine. Um, basketball, there were two games. Uh, Mizzou beat Houston Christian. They Did you see in the broadcast they mentioned that the name change mm-hmm. from Baptist? Uh, Missouri won that one 105-69, to just destroyed them. Yeah. And then, uh, just a couple di- couple nights ago, beat Wichita State on the road, eighty eight to eighty four in overtime. That final score is kind of what I thought. I kind of thought that might be a Mizzou win in regulation, and it was just kind of a crazy game, up and down. First half, Missouri looked quite good. I thought the first half looked like. The same Mizzou team that we've been watching all year blow mm-hmm. out bad teams. Just they were challenged a little bit more, so it was a closer game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something we talked about last week. Was um, this is going to be the first game where it's possible Missouri's not able to kind of play the way they want to, and um, so I mean, from the get go, though, they were just like, "Nope, we're going to keep playing fast. If you guys want to slow it down, that's fine. Do whatever you want. We're going to keep playing aggressive." Uh, keep pushing the ball in transition. We're going to be all over you, try to steal the ball from you, all that stuff. And, 
yeah, first half it worked really well. They scored like 43 points in in, in the first half, so uh, that was great to see. Yeah, um, might as well mention no Isaiah Mosley in this one. And after the game, Coach Gates mentioned that he's dealing with some personal issues off the court, uh, nothing disciplinary, and so that's all. That's all the details that we've been given at this point. So hopefully, uh, nothing too bad there, and he can suit back up whenever he's ready. I'm sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure everything's going to be fine, and and whatever Isaiah Mosley's dealing with, hopefully, you know, he's going to figure it out. Um, but I got to, you know, Mizzou fans just kind of have PTSD about this kind of stuff, man. Like it's the, we can't really have nice things whole, uh, mindset because every time we, it's like, wow, we landed Isaiah Mosley. Like, wow, we got Michael Porter Jr. Like you can kind of start going down that road a little bit. Like, oh wow. Something good and a surprising, uh, thing happened and it is disappointing. And so we got more of that later in the episode too. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I think I... I think I know what you mean by that, but I, hopefully everything works out with Mosley. I know he missed a game earlier this year too, so it's it's been a little bit of a bumpy, bumpy ride so far. But um, we'll see. The good news is they didn't need him yeah. uh, offensively to win, and for a lot of crunch time, they like Coach Gates went with a five guys, six guys that he was super confident in down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting to see. Yeah, um, basically, uh, like. Demoy Hodge, Noah Carter show some Sean East at the end, yeah. but Kobe Brown was really not terribly involved in this game. So all all newcomers that were carrying them in this game. Yeah, Missouri was up uh, forty five to thirty six right at the beginning of the second half, and then Wichita State went on a sixteen zero run, which was it's pretty brutal. kind of devastating yeah. and just you know given flashbacks to yeah. the last few years and it was almost just enough to put us away really yeah. It was very close. Um, then Missouri, I mean, we were up before that, so it wasn't like they put it out of reach. Um, then we scored some baskets, went back and forth a little bit, but then Wichita State went on a 12-1 to run, and that ended with them being up 10 points, 66-56, uh, to and overall that extended run was 30-11 to Wichita State, deep into the second half. Um, but luckily, it was only a 10-point deficit, and Missouri did not slow down um, pace-wise, tempo-wise. The shooting just completely went ice cold. Missouri couldn't buy a three. Everybody was missing. Wide open shots. Mm-hmm. Um, Basically, every everybody outside of Hodge and Carter made a few, but outside of those two guys, I mean, it was truly like <laughs> nobody could make a shot. Um, especially there in the stretch in the second half. Yeah, Hodge, he's still 4 of 11 from 3, but I feel like, I think Missouri at one point was 0 for their last 8 three-pointers and like 0 for 11 from the field. They shoot a lot of threes. That's true. Um, Yeah, they, Missouri on, uh, for the game, 7 of 33 from 3. That's only 21%, not great. And Wichita State, uncharacteristically, 12 of 29 41% 41% from three. Yeah, I mean, at this point, um, I think it's safe to say that Missouri's perimeter defense is is still not where it needs to be. And, I mean, because everyone's shooting well against us at this point. Wichita State, uh, terrible three-point shooting team, like you just said. And, yeah, if they're shooting over 40%, they're scoring 80-plus even with overtime. Like, that's pretty uncharacteristic of Wichita State. 
I, the defenses have got to improve if Missouri is going to be a tournament team. But I have all the faith in the world that they can do that. The offense is is great. Um, even you know, yeah, with a 16-0 stretch, we we're still able to score in the upper 80s. So, um, yeah, defense has got to be got to be better. You mentioned uh, Kobe Brown being on the bench, or we, we talked we touched on that a little bit, but. I thought it was interesting, no Mosley, and the team was had gone cold offensively, and they made a concerted effort to actually get Kobe Brown several possessions where he was allowed to just kind of go try to get a basket for himself. And just try, just remembering back off the top of my head, I feel like there was maybe like three out of four possessions, and maybe a little bit more than that, where they went to Kobe, where he was clearly the scoring threat that they wanted to make something happen here. And he got a couple baskets, but then maybe three or four possessions just went nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then that's when um, Carter came back in the game and Kobe was on the bench and it pretty much stayed that way. Last five minutes of regulation and all of overtime, Kobe with only three fouls, but that's not the end of the world. And I mean, by all everything that I've seen, Kobe Brown took that very well, as you would expect, right. a mature player who knows we're just trying to win games. Yeah. Um, but I just thought that was an interesting dynamic and in seeing Coach Gates go with Honor, East, Hodge, Carter, and Trey Gomillion mm-hmm. down the stretch. I like that there's no guarantee that that's the five and five or six. It, he was uh, bringing in Ronnie DeGray for defense only, yeah. subbing with uh, Sean East there just to get some size and rebounding. Yeah, it was good to see DeGray get in there. I think it, I was a little curious why he seemed to be like the 12th man, basically, at the beginning of the game, of the beginning of the, of the season, yeah. where he was just basically not getting into the game, and if it was, it was like garbage time, even against terrible opponents. Right. I was kind of thinking like, man, De, I mean, DeGray is not a world beater, but he's, you know, he can add valuable minutes in different ways, and... I kind of feel like they're missing out by not having him play, especially considering some of his strengths are the team's weaknesses, like rebounding and you know defense down low and stuff. He can do all that. Yeah. Um, so I was happy to see that them put put him in there, and and I thought he played really well with the, with the kind of the role that he has. But you know, Kobe Brown and, and Noah Carter are kind of an interesting duo. Um, similar position, similar like body, uh, like size, but totally mm-hmm. different skill sets and. You know, in this game, it just kind of felt like, well, Kobe was in foul trouble too, but Noah Carter's, I think just like his outside game is a little better than Kobe's, and um, it just kind of felt like we needed the the scoring punch, the shooting, uh, and that probably he's a little bit ahead of Kobe in my mind, at least from like the perimeter. Um, so he's, I, a, he's the more dynamic offensive player, I, I think. I, more I, dynamic scorer. I probably agree with you. And, and Kobe probably maybe even has a little bit better ability to drive and get in the lane and make t- some tough shots. But um, I agree. Noah Carter is, is really offensively skilled. Like he's, he's added a lot to the team so far. Nick honor with four steals. Uh, that was huge. Uh, Missouri with 16 steals for the game, uh, Wichita state with just three uh, Missouri only turned the ball over eight times. Yeah. I, Wichita state turned the ball over 20 times. Yeah. I, I hope that that's something that continues. Um, is the aggressive defensive play, especially kind of like extending out and really making all the passes difficult. And 
um, stealing a lot of. I mean, they got so many points from just like get a steal, just throw it out, just yeah. immediately start running down the court, outlet pass, and open layup. They they have scored a ton of points this season from doing that, and I kind of feel like that's one of those things where, you know, eventually in SEC play, maybe when coaches kind of start watching film on us, they're just going to see like this is how Missouri is scoring like twenty to thirty points a game, and the the offense could could hit a rough spot i think if coaches start figuring out like we just got to make sure we're not turning it over because they're scoring so many points in transition like the half court game is not stellar honestly in my opinion for missouri um i just so hopefully that is something that doesn't get exploited down the road right we're we're making up for missing open threes yes by getting out in transition and getting easy baskets at the rim mm-hmm. and if we're not shooting well from outside and a team is doing really well at limiting transition opportunities, then that's that's basically what was happening for like the middle section of this Wichita State game. Right. And it kind of the pace slowed down a little bit and it just felt like Wichita State was now dictating the right. game to yeah, some extent. Which was the why it was so important for Missouri to, to dictate the pace because they were able to make Wichita State speed up, feel like they're playing an unnatural style that they don't want to play, and it probably is why they had so many turnovers. So that was really the key to the game was Missouri being able to say, Nope, we're gonna we're gonna play fast. It was also really nice when Wichita State decided to just miss a bunch of clutch free throws late oh in the game. Gosh. Just to let us hang around and then put it away. If it, man, I feel like we have been on the other end of so many games like that just in the last few years and stuff. So it was kind of insane to just watch another team like crumble down the stretch. And uh, just, uh, it's like, we don't, we never win these games. Like right. overtime clutch, like like we just kind of easily got back in the game because I, I do think Missouri is the better team. Right. And Missouri, the, the better teams find ways to get back in games, to close them out, whatever they need to do, even if it's not super pretty. Uh, Missouri was exactly that role in this game, and it just seems like we are n- we're never the, that team that does that. Yeah, and that was so, I mean, for like a season-long perspective, still super early, but what a good thing to see in your first real challenge of a game on the road. Uh, the shooting wasn't there like you would expect for a team that's been shooting at home for eight games in a row, and to see them battle back and still dictate their pace and their style of play through the end of the game. I mean, when we got it to overtime, I was, I honestly felt pretty good about the overtime period. I thought Mm -hmm. we figured something out there in the last five minutes of regulation, got back in this game, could have won it, but that would have been, what if that go million three went in at the buzzer in regulation, that would (laughs) have been crazy. I was kind of like mentally thinking like we could see that type of finish here. Yeah. But I was totally okay with just, you know, just winning by four. Give us five more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, Wichita State is not probably the program that it used to be maybe five, ten years ago. But it's still uh, it's still a good program and it's a tough place to win. It was uh, a packed out arena. Don't schedule them ever again, please. Yeah, please don't go on the road to Wichita State again. Just don't do that. Um, But uh, where was I going with that? Um, They're not the team they have been. Yes. I mean, but think about some of the non-conference away games that Missouri's played in the last few years. I mean. Again, you could probably write a case study on like the psychological effects of playing on the road. I've I've never done it um, at the college level. I don't know I don't know what makes it so difficult, but it clearly is a totally different experience to play on the road in someone else's arena when everyone in the arena wants you to lose. And 
we have watched some terrible games um, on the road. Like just last year, getting smoked by Liberty. I was just about to say, yeah. think of the Liberty game last year. It was absolutely horrible. And I mean, like a Utah game from a few years ago comes to mind. I think that was the 2017 season where yeah. we were actually a good team and just got smoked on the road against Utah. That, that first challenge can sometimes just exactly. knock you down. You just never know what's going to happen um, in that first game on the road and with a new coach, new team. I wouldn't have been super surprised if Missouri just totally folded in, in this game and, and didn't come out and play well. So it was good to, to see the opposite of that. Before we move on, the last thing I want to focus on, and if you have anything else, uh, go for it. But Sean East uh, basically taking control of the game down the stretch and wanting the ball in his hands, getting to the free throw line, making his free throws, getting some easy baskets late. He was huge. Like he looked totally confident in that position, in that role late in the game. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a little surprising too. I mean, I mean, we know he's talented and is a good scorer, a good scoring guard and all that stuff. But I mean, he hasn't been like super impressive so far. Obviously just getting acclimated to a new team and all of that. But man, it looked like he was like, this is my team and we're going to win. Right. And I'm going to do everything I can. So that was really cool. Um, so Missouri is eight. No now and 37th in Kim Palm. That's a really good number for first year head coach or, you know, first year for Dennis Gates in Columbia that, uh, puts you on a trajectory to be in the NCAA tournament. Yep. That's where Missouri should be every year. Um, offensively 14th now defensively 92nd in efficiency in all of division one and tempo they're eighth fastest tempo in the country right now Dang. which is a little bit crazy because they didn't play super up tempo uh at cleveland state um right but now i guess just maybe a little better athletes and i mean i i don't think there's any guarantee this is not like the style of play that gates is all in on for his entire time at missouri right i think this is i've got the athletes yep. i've got the depth just maximize the personnel they did can we, do this so we let's talk do about it this last week maybe i don't know i don't know probably but i yeah for sure it's it's cool to see that gates is saying this is my personnel this is how we're going to play and it's working out really well but he's super uh have you watched him much on the sidelines oh like, yeah he seems like super just calm like and barely says anything yeah, yeah. I, I i find it very fascinating to watch the coaches on the sideline and mm-hmm. see i just i would listen to um, the coach mic'd up yeah. over any broadcast you could ever oh, for give sure. me, especially the one we got in this Wichita State game. Holy cow, the broadcast was brutal. Oh, that was awful. Like the commentary was so so, but then they would just say some really weird stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, it's clearly a Wichita State broadcast too, but. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Was that just the American Athletic Conference it on been. ESPN? It could have been. Or it almost seemed like it could have been that or. I wouldn't have been surprised if that was the Wichita State like home radio broadcast. It might have been for all I know, but uh, and the ESPN Plus feed cutting out oh like my gosh half like, a dozen times. Yes, like and in pivotal moments. Yes, too, I like, think like Missouri scored every time it cut out, so that wasn't the worst thing. But <laughs> that's true. It's like we'd always come back from the from the blackout with more points. Yes, um, but yeah, I, Gates is so uh, calm on the sidelines. Like uh, when. It, 
I've seen a couple of videos of him like walking onto the court uh, before games, like at home, and he gives like a little, just a subtle wave to the uh, student section as he walks in, and just I don't know, man, he's just he's locked in. Yeah, so I just find that so fascinating. Something about coaching and like teaching the game of basketball Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting to see how the coaches the personality that they uh you know interact with their players with and everything yeah i don't know he seems like a a very genuine person Mm -hmm. and seems to well um we didn't talk about uh trago million breaking down in his uh, post-game press conference because of some personal things he's going through and he specifically mentioned coach gates being the guy who's like kind of helping him through this difficult time and times in the past yeah and that all in just wonderful things to hear about your head coach and just and them being undefeated and everything feeling really good about the basketball team right now yeah i think there was a a twitter account um represent mizzou i think is his name he said uh basically something to the effect of like oh so you can be uh you can be a good guy and have a good basketball team or right. something like yes. that <laughs> <laughs> yep although best of both worlds yeah we're finally getting it maybe we'll see long ways to go still uh, missouri's next game unless you have anything else about wichita state is against simo simo not very good uh 278th in kimpom they're an okay three-point shooting team so they could keep themselves in a game against mizzou by getting hot from three um two familiar names on the team two former vashon players philip russell and kobe clark kobe clark actually committed to georgetown out of high school and was there for two seasons but basically never played now he's at simo and philip russell committed to simo out of high school then decommitted or transferred to St. Louis and then transferred back to SEMO. So I watched SEMO play Missouri State last year and they similar Kimpom ranking to what theirs is now, but they just like exploded for like a hundred points in that game. So hopefully they don't do that against Mizzou. Well, like I said, they can shoot the three okay. Yeah. Um, but I think we should be able to turn them over, get easy transition baskets. Um, we should be able to score in the paint with Kobe and Carter. I don't think it's going to be a struggle. It shouldn't, shouldn't be anything worrisome there. Yeah. I just hope they're not overlooking it for what's to come. Yeah. Because, and right now we're getting, we have a stretch here. It's just one game a week, which is kind of nice. Although mm-hmm. it, there's, it's like pros and cons. The beginning of the season, there's just like sometimes there's three games yeah, there's in one week. Yeah, there's three games, week. but yeah, it's like oh, they're just all yeah. horrible teams. And and you just almost like forget that a, a game is tonight, <laughs> which is a pleasant surprise for sure. But um, so yeah, after we should be nine and zero. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but we should be nine and zero going into the home matchup against Kansas. We Missouri did get one vote in the uh, basketball poll at 24th last week mm-hmm. uh, before the Wichita State game so I don't know when those publish but it'd be interesting to see it's if, usually like Sunday maybe if Missouri's getting more votes I still think for TV purposes it makes sense to have just give us just number give 25 them, just, just sneak us in there yeah um, but we we have time before the Kansas game to really get into it next week so come back for that um 
Anything else basketball before we move on to football? Football it is. Last Friday, Arkansas came to town and Missouri won 29 to 27. How did you know? How'd you know? It just felt right. Well, who are you? 29 27. It After felt right. You got Nostradamus in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't even realize it was happening until after the game was over. And I was like, oh, I. I'm pretty sure I said 29 this, and 27. This man predicted the exact score of the Ar- of the Arkansas-Missouri game. You get lucky sometimes. I don't want to give away my secrets. You, you said they were going to score 29 points. Yeah. 29 to 27. Yeah. And they did. It was a weird little game. Field goals, you know, uh, you failed two-point yeah, conversion. Yeah, you knew they were going to kind of stuff 17 happens. field goals and miss an extra point, miss a two-pointer in the third quarter or something like that. It happens sometimes. That's incredible. Good, Great job. Um, what, give me your give me your thoughts about this game before we delve into the details. It always feels good to beat Arkansas. The rivalry game, we're bowl eligible. All yeah. of that. Um, yeah. Is I, it? I mean, is there? Is it worth? I don't know. Is there? Is there too much negativity to bring out of this game, considering how good it all felt in the moment? I feel like sometimes a week later, it's easier to go back and pick out the negatives. Yeah, I mean, a lot's happened since that game, like, out uh, off the field. And so, obviously, I think mentally, I already feel like I've moved on from the game, which is kind of sad, considering yeah. that was, like, a huge win. And yeah. honestly, nothing brings me joy, like, beating Arkansas, and in football especially. So, um, that was – I mean, we're 7-2 and two against Arkansas in the, uh, in the SEC era, and – I know for a 100% fact, most Arkansas fans think they are a superior program to Missouri, so it feels good year after year after year after year to see them crying on Twitter and they were breaking down. down. They were down about the team. Oh, man. After I the love game. it. It brings I mean, me joy. I saw so many tweets that were unironically saying, this is not a rivalry, they own us. Yeah. Yeah. And just like coming to terms I, with it. I'm not even going to talk trash to these poor folks. They are, they are going through it. Um, but so that was great. And, you know, I think Arkansas at, you know, they're just kind of one of those teams where it's like any day they could probably beat us by three touchdowns and, you know, but we got the best of them on when it mattered. And they're just, they've been super up and down this year. Honestly, maybe this is blasphemous to say, but if we played them at the beginning of the year, I think they probably would have beat us easily. Um, yeah, well, they had a, I mean, they were 10th, they were ranked 10th in the country at one yeah. point, early, early. They were playing really, really well. And I think they've had some weird kind of off the field stuff happen, some locker room issues. They had a couple players leave the team before the Missouri game. So uh, I, I don't really care. I'm happy to beat them. However, we, you know, we want to do it here. But um, I do think they had a little turmoil off the field. And, um, you know, I think we've talked about just kind of the Arkansas coaching staff. And I think Sam Pittman, I don't know what I think about him as a football coach, to be completely honest, but I think he knocked his uh, like offensive and defensive coordinator positions out of the park completely, like Barry Odom and uh, Bri- uh, Kendall Bryles. Mm-hmm. Like I think those guys are just excellent coordinators. So, And honestly, I'm a little bit surprised that both of them have been there for his entire tenure. So I think that gets broken up a little bit after this season i'm not mm. sure what what it'll look like and i think Pittman will still be there but i don't know about the other two yeah um i thought that early on in the game it looked like 
KJ Jefferson was not going to let Arkansas lose is yeah. kind of the vibe I was getting. And Missouri's defense would put themselves in a really good position, and then he would just kind of, you know, pull a trick out of his hat and make something happen on, you know, third and long or just like scrambling for a first down. But on the flip side, Brady Cook was doing the exact same thing on for Missouri's offense. He, I think, I mean, I feel like maybe this is the third time now we've said this is potentially the best game of Cook's Mizzou career. And I think probably this is it yeah. up to this point, it being a win to get bowl eligible against Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And his performance, I mean, he had, it doesn't count as an interception. He threw an interception on the two-point conversion attempt, but uh, 380 total yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. 242 through the air and a touchdown, 138 yards rushing and a touchdown. Yeah. Um He's legitimately a really good running quarterback at this point. Like, he has good instincts for that. He knows when to run and when not to run. His pass game is still pretty suspect at times, but at other times it's looked pretty good. He had a huge bomb to Dominic Lovett in this game. Um, But I would say easily his best game he's played this year, and we really needed that. Um, So – He's he's steadily in, improved throughout the season, man. Um, I think he's he's made the quarterback situation at Missouri pretty interesting. And I know that we have an entire offseason to, to chat about what's going to happen there. But um, I, I, I think he's really made yeah, – I don't know. Yeah, he's made the conversation interesting. And I'm not sure it was like a month ago. Yeah, and um, the, the offense did struggle a bit in the second half. And there was a little bit of the classic – uh, taking your foot off the gas pedal from mm-hmm. the coaching staff that maybe one day we'll get over. Um, and there were some missed throws from Cook in the second half that would have probably, I mean, even like the huge fourth down conversion to Love It was a bad pass and Love It bailed him out completely by like catching it on his back hip. Mm-hmm. And if he puts that out in front of him, that might be a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so. The second half, Arkansas made adjustments on defense to slow Cook's running down. They they put a spy on him, and um, they definitely made it more difficult. After scoring two touchdowns in the first half, um, they only scored nine points. They scored nine points in the third quarter and then nothing in the fourth. Yeah. So the offense definitely slowed down in the second half. Yeah, and again, I mean, we've kind of talked about coaching schematic stuff here a little bit um, for both sports, but that, again, that's kind of one of those things where – I don't think Brady Cook's going to run for 100-plus rushing yards in every game that he plays from here on out, and eventually teams are going to figure that out, force him to throw, which seems like kind of a weakness at this point. Like his his rushing game is, is is a strength for him. Yeah, and but make the defense do that. Make force the defense to make that adjustment. Mm-hmm. Like start out start out every game that Brady Cook is starting with the yeah. game plan of we're going to try to get him 100 yards if it's easy. Yeah, and when the defense makes it difficult, we'll adjust. I know that sh- probably should have been the game plan earlier in this season than it was for sure. Yeah. It makes you wonder what could have been if we utilized Brady cook's legs a little bit more uh, earlier on in the season. Um, I'm not saying we would have gotten to nine or 10 wins or anything, but a couple of close games that probably could have gone the other way. Um, do you know who the leading receiver was in this game Kyle? for either team? Yeah. Uh, it's, 
gotta be love it right yeah it was dominic love it uh six receptions for 130 yards we'll talk about him more shortly yeah i mean he had one pass that was like 50 plus yards yeah in the air and he probably should have had another touchdown or i can't remember who it was there may have been multiple he if, fell down yeah and i'm thinking of one where uh the wide receiver missouri wide receiver had the defense beat and the ball was just underthrown. Mm. that may have been to luther burden luther burden had only two receptions but one of them was a sideline throw that he just did what he does yeah. made the defender miss and was in the end zone yeah he's he's really really physical with the ball on his hands he's, he's really tough to bring down and wrapping it up offensively cody schrader uh, 18 carries for 87 yards and a touchdown um nathaniel pete three carries for one yard it's going to be interesting to see what the um running back room looks like next year mm-hmm. all of the positions really yeah <laughs> yeah that's well yeah we'll save that for a moment uh defensively 10 tackles for loss for missouri's defense yeah a uh, huge interception uh was dalen carnell mm. and d-line played great again yes they were i I thought Arkansas's offensive line looked legitimately bad, yeah. especially, and I think that's something that Arkansas fans are not going to put up with considering that's like the only thing that Sam Pittman is supposed to be bringing mm-hmm. other than being able to pick coordinators. Yeah, I think that's one thing, I, a pretty common theme I saw was that uh, from Arkansas fans, their, their criticism of the offensive line and just, uh, you know, when the coaches lose and they have these kind of go-to lines, I, I get the feeling Sam Pittman's kind of go-to is talking about how they were out physical you know and that, that was one of the first things he turned to in the post game after the missouri loss was just that you know they were more physical than us and i'm like well figure it out then you seem like you yeah. know what what needs to happen here yeah, right so. the arkansas <laughs> fans on twitter were like predicting what he was going to say basically and making yeah. fun of it preemptively um it's not a fun place to be that we've been before oh man it's nice when they're there though <laughs> um uh harrison mevis three for four on field goals he did fine, and uh, probably, honestly, Missouri should have won this game by more than two points. But. Yeah, yeah, they uh, didn't. I don't think they scored in the fourth quarter. No, but and there was a moment where I think Missouri was winning twenty-nine to twenty-four. Arkansas was driving, maybe I think it was at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and Arkansas got down within the ten-yard line. It was like a fourth and two, fourth and goal and like two yards to go mm-hmm. and uh they kicked the field goal mm-hmm. and i was like i was praying please kick do not go for this you'll probably get it and score a touchdown and take the lead and yeah then we'll have to bring the <laughs> offense out and make them try and score you know i right. just i was praying they were going to kick and they did and i don't think either team scored again after that no that was um still fairly early in the fourth quarter and yeah it was basically just nothing happened after that missouri missed a field goal and Arkansas couldn't get anything going. I mean, credit Missouri's defense for holding them on their last two drives. Yeah. But I think I said something in the Discord at some point, like, I, I'm totally fine with an anticlimactic ending here. Yep. I don't need some heroic thing to happen. Let's just nobody score, let the clock run out. And, and honestly, Missouri should have been able to run the clock out without giving Arkansas the ball with whatever 20 seconds left there was or something like that. Oh, well, it ended just fine, and Missouri ends their season, their regular season, 6-6, six and six, 
three and five in SEC play, exactly the same record in both cases as Nebraska, or not Nebraska, Arkansas. <laughs> Gordon Tulip. Uh, um, and do you remember what we predicted them uh, before the season? I, I said, I'm pretty sure I said six and six. Yeah, I feel like we were both around six, seven wins. Yeah, we'll have to go back and listen. We'll have a proper wrap up to the whole proper. season next week or maybe the week after it depends on uh, how busy we are with basketball but uh, we will properly dissect the entire season and talk about how we ended up six and six although i'll tell you spoiler alert i would be i'm happier with our six and six finish than i would be if i was an arkansas fan with their six and six finish did you mean to say arkansas that time yeah what did i say yeah, you said Arkansas. Okay, that's or what I was going okay, for. Okay, you meant to say that. Okay. Yeah, Arkansas, like having this peak in like week two. Yeah. And then just falling Slowly apart. Declining. Versus us in week two or whenever the Kansas State game oh, was, thinking sure. it's the end of the world. And then kind of. Yeah, give me an off season of like hope and like thinking that, at least thinking that we're on an upward trajectory. Give me the whole off season of, of that rather than the opposite. Yeah, then questioning everything all the time. Yeah. But there's going to be plenty of that anyway. There will be. No matter what. Um, there is still the bowl game, so we could lose that, and then <laughs> that could dampen things a little bit. Although, with it seems like we're, we're it'll just transition right into transfer portal season with how many departures there already have been and there was reports that the coaching staff basically said, if you're out, tell us now, we'll move on. You won't play the bowl game. Yeah. We'll play the bowl game with the players that want to be here. Yeah, I think you so, almost have to look at the bowl game with an asterisk at this point. Yes. Like it's like, okay, if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. I don't know that it really changes my feelings on the team or the season at this point. Dep- I think we could um, have a game against Kansas though. So that true. I probably want to win that one a little bit more than than other bowl games probably. But at the same time though, there's just going to be so many moving pieces. And I think that's different than how it was three, four seasons ago. Oh, yeah. Totally. Uh, very much. Barry Odom era, it was like these bowl – we cannot get over the hump in these bowl games, and it's just like we have these strong finishes to the season, and then just it falls off a cliff for the yeah. bowl game. And now, even if that happens – like I'm sure Coach Drink would like to get a bowl win under his belt, sure, and start stacking those because that I'm makes sure everything look better. The last bowl game we won was Oklahoma State in 2013. I believe it. Almost a decade. Uh, we beat we beat Minnesota. Minnesota the next year. Yep. 14. Yeah. That's probably the last one. Yeah, Matty Mock truck stick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't want to think about losing the. Texas. Imagine uh, coming off that 2014 bowl win and just thinking, like, uh, just knowing what's to come for the next, like, eight years of Mizzou football. <laughs> like, nothing meaningful. Yeah, and and what you thought you were getting, like, uh, defense probably going to peak, and that's exactly what happened. And, like, Matty Mott coming back for his junior season, uh, Doriel Green-Beckham coming back for his junior season – like true junior he's gonna go off and then go to the nfl and like in kind of a desolate wasteland multiple running backs ready to lead the way it's not quite how it went down um a little little uh just a just a side convo there we got to talk about this transfer portal situation (laughs) keep putting it off (laughs) 
So, I mean, it feels like the minute the game went final. Yeah. Well, first of all, <laughs> Dominic Lovett's transferring, folks. Is it, yeah. It's happening. We got we to gotta get... This is us coming to grips with it and moving on. The transfer portal is not officially open yet. It opens de- December 5th. Just True. Yes. I, yep. Well, yep. December 5th, it opens. He's not in the portal yet. He will be. He's not officially transferring from Mizzou yet. He probably will be, but that doesn't mean he is for sure. He's, not, going, uh, he's going to go into the portal. He's going to look at his other options. He's going to see how much he's getting offered to go somewhere else. He's going to see what Missouri offers, and then he'll make his decision. That doesn't mean he's staying, but I think it's not impossible that he returns. I don't want to get any hopes up. I don't know anything, but I'm not saying that's a 100% chance that he's gone. Um, I agree with everything you said. However, me personally, I am mentally acting as though he is gone. I understand. Never going to play for Mizzou again. That's fine. I'm trying to move past it. Okay. So, but everything you said is exactly correct. Luther Burden. Luther Burton back. He's already announced we're good. He's got some chips. Don't guys. even worry about it. He's on a chip bag. Yes. And he's back for more chips and more championships. More championships. Uh, Ooh, that's kind of good. Yeah. There was rumors. The, the rumors were flying. It just immediately after the game ended. I, yeah. What? I know. And it was scary for a moment. There yeah. was thing we were reading things we don't want to read. Yes. And then I was in an emotional place for a little while on like, when was that Sunday afternoon? Yeah. And I was just trying to, I was, I was trying to decide whether to just go seek as much information as possible and read everything or just completely ignore it all and just wait and see what happens. But then I would get a little piece of information. I would get a little piece of a rumor and I just broke down and I said, I got to go read everything that I can read. Yeah. And then shortly after I started reading everything, Luther Burton posted saying he's not going anywhere. Yeah. That made me feel so much better. Yeah. That would have been utterly devastating to lose both of those guys, but we don't have to go there. Nope. Not even going to remotely go there. And I mean, I'm just saying if I was Luther Burton, a little bit of rumor to get everybody worried, but then you come back, you know, with the post. Sure. Nothing uh, wrong with that. Yeah. I'd probably do it. You know, we obviously lost uh, Makai Wingo last year, which was at the time we thought utterly devastating and still would have loved to have him. He's a, he's, he was great at LSU this year. But ob- the best position group on our team was defensive line. Yeah. And we figured it out, you yeah. know. And I, it's really great to have great players, but I think it'll be fine. You know, we will. I think we have some, some great talent at wide receiver, some young guys that are going to step up. And, you know, if he doesn't return to Missouri, we will figure out a way to move on. Yeah, I mean, we've already, we've got, um, Makai Miller has been making big plays. Yeah, I'm really excited about him. Yes. Uh, in the Arkansas game, he stepped up. He basically saved the season <laughs> with, like, the, like, a catch on third down to put the game away, essentially, yeah. or almost. And he had a couple of those in a game previously. Yeah. Um, obviously with Barrett Bannister moving on and, uh, Towski Dove moving on. We're going to need some guys to step up. There's no, I mean, just what a sigh of relief just thinking about the fact that no matter what happens, Luther Burden is the number one guy next year. Yeah. And we can just fill in the spots after him. And that's, that is a much easier task 
penciling him in as the number one and then figuring everything else out is infinitely easier than trying to figure out who the new number one is going to be. Right. And think about the step that Dominic Lovett took in one off season. And even for like a elite player, that's, that's almost not even a, a step that you can expect from anybody. Right. But because he just was phenomenal this mm-hmm. year, but Luther Burden was significantly more productive. I mean, significantly more productive his freshman year than Lovett was. So if he can even take a fraction of a, of a step like that, yeah. he's going to be incredible right. um, in the next year or two. Um, just to run down through the departures that have been announced so far, um, help me out on the NFL guys because so far I know Isaiah McGuire is declaring for the NFL draft. He's mm-hmm. not using his COVID year. Same for Martez Manuel. Yeah. And those were both pretty expected. Right. Uh, no shockers there. And both uh, now on the defensive line, both position groups look uh, able to withstand these departures better than I, you know, best case scenario, like Dale and Carnell and company in the de- in the defensive backfield is, is ready to go. Right. Yeah. We've, we've talked about him a few times this season and how he's kind of nipping at the heels of yeah. manual anyway. Right. I think they play the same position and not to say that manual has been slacking he's either. He's been a great player for really his whole career at Missouri, he he started hot and has been good his whole career, but um, Carnell's ceiling is is very very high. He's a really good player, um, so that like, yeah, like you said, that's that's really not a terrible loss for the defense. Um, and Martez will probably be drafted, and um, Isaiah McGuire definitely has a, has will be probably a second day draft pick. But at this point, I think those are the only two guys that have declared for like a professional career moving mm-hmm. on, um, and. Chris Abrams drain is a guy to watch. I think he definitely will be drafted if he wants to go that route. And I think he could probably, I think he honestly, any, anything would be, it would be totally expected or not surprising Mm -hmm. if he wanted to transfer, stay or go pro. Any of those three things could happen with him. I think Ennis Rakestraw is a guy that will get NFL looks. um, But I think he might benefit from one more year. He's been pretty vocal on Twitter about how he, wishes he would have stayed healthy like last year and put together a few more stats because then he probably could have left for the nfl yeah he's very he's just he's like very candid openly explaining like oh man if i hadn't got hurt i'd literally, be gone for the nfl literally yes <laughs> uh so i don't know what those guys are going to do wouldn't be shocked to see them leave or stay okay on uh chris abram's training real quick yeah um what what do you have in your head right now is the most likely thing to happen with him without knowing anything really on the inside i th- i think he i think he'll stay mm. i hope you're right i again mental mentally am preparing myself for him going to the nfl draft that's perfectly fine and i i understand yeah i'm thinking you like to do that <laughs> i mean that's fine like give yourself a little pleasant surprise yeah and I'm, and I'm thinking realistically how much more does he have to prove at yeah. this level? He played a great season. Like and he, I think NFL teams, when they are looking at defensive backs, they're going to see that the impact he was making, even though he, he yeah. didn't have like a ton of interceptions. Or right. Anything. Yeah. He, he's a little undersized and that'll be the biggest knock on his draft stock. But man, he can shut people down yeah. and got to the point where teams were not throwing his direction. And that's exactly where you want to be as a cornerback. Okay, jumping back to this list that I have so far of players that are 
transferring away from Mizzou. Mm-hmm. We talked about Lovett. Uh, we also have defensive backs, uh, DJ Jackson, Davion Sistrunk, which we already knew about that, uh, and LJ Hewitt, which we already knew about him. Yeah. So Jackson, the only new departure there. Yeah, I would say Jackson was kind of a head scratcher. Um, as a true freshman last year, he he got a lot of play and looked really, really solid. But I do think he maybe just got passed up on the depth chart a little bit. They brought in some guys. They brought in Norwood and just didn't play much this year. The transfer um, from uh, Miami also. The, yes, him as well. Uh, Rake Straw and Chris Abramstrain were healthy all year or so, and you just aren't going to play over those two guys. And that's really why he was able to play last year was with injuries and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, Still just a true yeah, sophomore. He'll though. be good somewhere else, uh, wherever he wherever he goes. I think he could be a, a Power 5 transfer potentially. Sistrunk um, was kind of a – a flyer and a guy who was really athletic but didn't have a lot of production hadn't been playing football a super long he was kind of a dual sport guy yep. in high school so um not super surprising that he never saw the field and that's just i think we expected that potentially when he came in and hewitt was a juco transfer yeah yeah i don't even think he made it the full season yeah uh now uh still on the defensive side um jelani williams uh graduate transfer which i mean honestly go where you can play more yeah i think there's a pretty good chance carlize and charleston both are back next year and plus anybody they want to add in the transfer portal i just don't think there's really a a great path to playing time for for williams and you know he's been at mizzou for three or four years now so um he's been a solid um kind of backup guy when he they've he they've needed him at times and and he stepped up but um yeah it'll be good to see him go start somewhere else uh linebackers zachary lovett and devin nicholson yeah, two totally opposite guys. Uh, Nicholson, really productive career, you know, at Missouri, just but kind of playing because there was nobody else, and yeah, it really um, showed some weaknesses at times, and kind of got passed up this year for the for the betterment of the team. Um, and then Lovett was was a guy that just never really cracked the rotation. So, uh, in my eyes, um, you know, obviously. You don't like to see guys leave, I guess, but really in this situation, it's kind of best case scenario for probably both parties that um, those guys move on and find something else. And yeah, yeah, it does worry me a little bit, and and probably just gonna have to get used to this, but um, just needing to reload, needing to find answers for two seasons from now, specifically at the linebacker position, just makes me uneasy. Yeah, and. I mean, it's similar to what we've been doing with quarterback on offense. Just like always never being able to be like, oh, I'm confident in who the quarterback's going to be two years from now, one year from now. Yeah. And And so that part of that is just the era of college football that we're in. It's like you really can't count on anybody to stick around for more than a year. And it's it's interesting. It's it's made for. It's a, it's a little bit of a roller coaster for fans and for coaches, really, but um, that's kind of the world that we've taken on by giving the players more power, which, you know, and we I think that's a good thing. Yeah. But we are in a strange, strange era of college football, I think. And with Lovett leaving, like, no Mizzou fan is going to be surprised when anybody leaves ever. Yeah. Like, the, the only thing that would be more surprising is if uh, Brady Cook transferred. <laughs> that would be shocking, yeah. actually. <laughs> Uh, unless they just said today Sam Horn's the starter from now on right. or something like right. that. Yeah, that um, it is a little bit refreshing to have guys on your team like Brady Cook in this era of college football 
because it does because he's just flat out like loves Mizzou yeah. and will say that in interviews and stuff like that. So it's like, man, I want to love this guy and like I want him to be good here. Um, but that's not yeah. Always that's realistic. why I'm like pull out all the stops, like run him as much as you need to. Like it is whatever he can do to win his games. I'm here for. So yeah, I mean. I almost think that has value in the quarterback competition. Like maybe I'm reading too much into that. It's like intangibles for sure, but it just seems like his relationship with the coaching staff is really strong. And he's a mature guy who is kind of a team first kind of player. Not saying that Sam Horn isn't or Tyler Macon isn't or whatever, but clearly he's very outspokenly like pro Mizzou. Yeah. He's very mature, well-spoken, smart guy, and wants to win more than anything out there. And yeah. so I think that ha- that that is a factor. Um, I, I, tell me what you think about this. A couple times now, just watching sideline interactions and stuff, I almost feel like uh, Coach Drinkwitz is almost too hard on Brady Cook. Like, I feel like he doesn't get as much love in press conferences and stuff from Coach Drink and like it's almost seems like there's always something that drinks not happy about with and yeah whatever like classic coach stuff yeah maybe and what am i saying like the fan base including myself has been frustrated at the quarterback play all season yeah he did kind of stick up for him though towards the end of the year true um and said like you know he's taking a lot of crap which he has but i I agree yeah i feel like there's some yeah be satisfied yeah which maybe that's just well, I think that's that maybe classic. you need a little bit of that with, from the quarterback with the head coach. You kind of I think that's classic coach stuff. But I also think that they're again. Remember, we've talked about drink how he thinks of all the angles and True. the fan perception of the quarterback position and how nothing is solid ground right there, right right now. And so you know, I don't know that he wants to like overpraise any of the quarterbacks. Yeah, maybe so. Um, okay, finishing up this list here: defensive end Travion Ford super disappointing that's a weird one yeah like four-star recruit maybe physically he's kind of is he a interior or is defensive lineman or is he on the end is he a stand-up pass rusher is he too big for that i don't know it's i mean he just literally never saw the field at his entire time at missouri yeah that's a weird one so Good luck to him. Hopefully, he can find a spot where he can be productive. It, it obviously wasn't going to happen at Mizzou. Um, now, uh, last thing is quarterback Tyler Macon. This is not surprising to anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was passed up on the depth chart by guys that are younger than him and was relegated to the fourth down fake, fake snapper. snap, throw the ball on the ground play. Right, and clearly... Uh, had some things come out on Twitter towards the end of the season with some relatives that were kind of, you know, not happy with the situation, which is that happens. Yeah. That happens when your kid's not getting playing time and all that. So whatever. Yeah. Clearly the family was not really happy with how things were going. This was the least surprising thing in the world. Just, and you know, I think that he still has three years of eligibility. He's going to go find a place to play. He's a, a really strong arm, very, um, very mobile. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll be a productive quarterback somewhere. Yeah, it is. It is kind of for a fan. It's much. You like to be in a position where a player leaving the team, you can still root for them to, you know, succeed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And honestly, for most of these guys, that is the case. Almost all of them. Um, 
there's not a whole lot uh, like you said with the portal not actually technically being open yet mm-hmm. um there's only speculation about who missouri's uh pursuing in right. the portal yeah although they do already have a visit lined up with uh transfer wide receiver andrew armstrong mm-hmm. i can't remember where he transferred from like really low level i think like d2 potentially yeah so that's gonna be the, the transfer portal i i don't know i don't know what every fan thinks of it but yeah. i think it adds excitement to the off season and like i said last week there is just going to be this addition and subtraction and at the end of the off season look at what do we lose what do we gain who are we excited to see at this level who's going to crack the starting rotation it just i think yeah. makes all of that a little bit more exciting yeah it's i mean it's always fun to be watching to watching twitter and all that stuff just for for news that's coming out and ultimately you're going to lose guys every year you're going to lose guys to probably like wanting to level up and level down and hopefully just it's a it's a net positive at the end whenever it's all said and done and and honestly i i really think missouri kind of knocked it out of the park last year with the transfer portal um, had some really really high contributors uh on the defense especially come in and knowing we could basically do that almost every season kind of you know that's that's encouraging um what is discouraging is kind of like high school recruiting in general and just needing to be patient on young players because man football is such a long-term development type sport where guys just do not come in and contribute quickly very often unless you're elite or there's just nobody else in your position group and 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 it doesn't matter like you can't count on any specific circumstance to to equal a long long-term success at mizzou Mm -hmm. like we've seen it every which way we've seen the player who doesn't play at all transfer to get playing time we've seen the true freshman that starts like most of their games yeah leave yeah so it's like you yeah. don't want to be on the extremes either way it seems like it yeah. yeah and so and just missouri really needs older experienced players i think to have elite seasons and so i think they're just going to have to get old through the portal unfortunately unless they just have you know some of those uh, a special group come in a special class where they all want to stick together and that kind of stuff i don't know but it's, we're in a weird spot in college football you know, I don't think very many things could ever deter me from, you know, not wanting to be a fan or a fan of Missouri. You know, none of that. I, I think they're just it's just different. It, you know, you won't watch the same players for four for four or five years like maybe you did in the past. And, right. But you will have new players to root for every year and, and that kind of stuff. And I think there will need to be some kind of changes made to NIL, whether that, you know, you've brought up contracts in the past, which honestly, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I don't don't, know how it would look exactly, but contracts is an interesting thing. It's pretty much full blown, like removing the amateurism from college sports. Yeah. We're pretty much there. Right. So like contracts seems like something that would help the situation that we're in right now. Right. Whether, you know, if you could walk back everything and start fresh as far as getting players some money, maybe you don't go that route, Mm -hmm. but that seems like a logical next step to where we are now yeah. that I think would actually benefit both sides. For sure. I mean, that just kind of locks the player in, and not in a bad way, but just like it, this, we have this commitment for this long, and the coaches can relax, the players can relax, and the fans can relax. Like, just know that we've got this player for this long. And um, Yeah, you would get interesting situations, though, where like, 
whoever Texas A&M wants to come buy out the player's contract. Yes. And well, yeah. you know, yeah. Okay. Well, what about this idea? And I, um, I think I was Maggie Johnson that came up with that. I heard this from yeah. where, um, you wouldn't be able to have NIL opportunities in your first season. What do you think about that? I don't think, I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. Tell um, me why. Uh, it just feels like, it feels like in my opinion, just do contracts at that point. Okay. Like w- that seems like a arbitrary solution that feels like it would work. It feels like it would solve a very specific problem. To like the rec- use it as a recruiting tool. Yeah. But then we can just say, well, in year two, we'll give you this. Right, okay. exactly. Okay. And um, it doesn't seem like we need, it seems like for college football, we need to build a system that actually works and not just every year go okay this externality yeah. that we didn't plan for how do we deal with that mm-hmm. and then we we put a band-aid on that and then next year it's a different thing that we got to figure out okay now what, what band-aid do we put on this yeah so it seems i mean it feels to me like we need systems that actually benefit the players that you know are legal things that people can count on understanding mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, you know, I feel like we are getting there. You know, I think the players really do. I think it's better for the players that they're being compensated and um, and all this and have a little bit more leverage in the situation for the big business that college football is. And I think we're maybe in a weird spot, maybe in the in-between phase right now, but hopefully in the long run, I think this is once we get some of the, the details and all the the loopholes ironed out a little bit and stuff, I think it, it this will hopefully be a good thing for for everybody. Yeah, my fear is that because of the dynamics of all of it, you're talking about businesses who understand how business works, yeah. and you've got um, universities that are thinking big picture, and they've dealt with a lot of this type of stuff, and then you've got high school kids. Yep. And so it seems like it's always going to be what's the least we can give the players to keep this thing rolling. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just have to re-examine that every time there's a new pressure point instead of getting ahead of it and figuring it out long term. So I don't know. It is. I get a little nervous thinking about the prospects for college athletics in the near term five ten years from now what it'll look like and i don't know it's weird to think about there just being like this minor league football league mm-hmm. and one of the teams is the missouri tigers and they're still part yeah. of the university system it does yeah it's definitely something charming about the players suiting up for the university you love and maybe the university you went to right and um kind of holding on to those traditions of the school and you know it does feel weird to separate it from the school and i think that would maybe drive some fans away and make it feel less special and i'm i totally i'm with you there so one thing one thing i wanted to mention with with love it leaving um and it sticks out in my mind to compare his situation with that of makai miller and part of it is um his dad being on twitter and being able to see 
behind the scenes a little bit mm-hmm. with him and he seems like a very level-headed person who as of right now is bought into Drinkwitz and the staff and everything mm-hmm. and I think this offseason into next year we might start being able to identify Drinkwitz guys and that I'm not talking about guys he recruited I'm talking about guys who every coach has like these players that are their guys and they feed off of each other and the players stick up for the coach and like like a Barrett Bannister yeah like well yeah I feel like um you know I feel like Barry Odom had his guys that had his back no matter what Hmm. and no matter how bad things got in Columbia those were his guys they were going to stick up for their coach Mm -hmm. and they weren't going to bail on him they might even go to Arkansas with him yeah and I feel like it's just now to the point where we're going to start to see those guys for Drinkwitz. Mm. And there's going to be some that they're along for the ride, but they're not really tied to what's going on in Columbia. And there's going to be a handful each year that we start to see, oh, these guys are all in on this coaching staff, this system. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's weird how long it takes to start to get that in the program. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know really where I'm going with this, but it does seem like a great thing when players have kind of a level-headed source to kind of guide them through the monstrosity almost that mm-hmm. is college athletics. Like just, uh, yeah, Makai Miller's very level-headed, like uh, almost, I think, you know, he's probably been through the process himself, but he has, he seems to have a very good understanding of, uh, yeah, my son's a true freshman. He's probably not going to play that much, but here's a couple of glimpses, yeah. like something to hold on to to get excited for the future. Um, it does seem like a lot of times uh, some of the players maybe don't have the best advice that they're getting behind the scenes, and that will happen every single year when guys think the grass is going to be greener somewhere else, no matter where they are, Missouri or somewhere else. Yeah. They've got maybe somebody in their ear that's not giving them totally uh, yeah, know, yeah, great no. advice. That's, yeah, that's obviously true, and... Um, they the coach can't be that for them mm-hmm. because yeah. the coach has Obviously, his own he has his interests own and yes so as much as it would be nice for the coach to be that guy uh it just doesn't really work yeah. unless you're bought into his vision mm-hmm. and then it can work yeah the, the players really need a, a trusted source to go through the process with yeah and it is it is a shame out of all the, the stuff that's happened with college athletics it is a shame that that basically you can't rely on that being found within the university Mm -hmm. um we talked through a lot of stuff there what else anything else going on luther burton's coming back (laughs) uh 12 team playoff next year oh man that's gonna be awesome it's locked in i love it that's gonna be awesome yeah uh okay without going super hard in the paint on this uh because i know we could unravel and talk about it for half an hour is there a chance brady cook plays quarterback for missouri uh their first game next season absolutely there's a chance okay give me give me like a rough percentage oh that, man that he plays the first snap of the first game first snap of the first game next year brady cook has uh 29 chance of of taking that snap i was gonna say 35 yeah, yeah. i just wanted to say 29 because of the Arkansas oh score. aren't you just clever <laughs> not really right in there but yeah yeah 20 i yeah. feel yeah 
It's gonna be another uh, interesting offseason. That may be low, honestly. I don't think at least I don't I don't think we're gonna be like going crazy for transfer quarterbacks. I think that would be a surprise to me. But I bet we put the tires are, on some. If we are, then I think that'll be a, a telling sign. I don't. I, is it? I don't Just, know. I don't know. I don't even know. Reach out to him every year. It I guess. Seems to be, I don't know. Reach out and make You're him. not even going to get any of them anyway. <laughs> you could Jack just Abraham. reach out to five of them and you'll get the sixth one. Just every year. Um, all right. Is that it? Anything else? Do we got to pick them? Uh, pick something? No, pick them. We can recap. Oh, yeah. Let us know. We'll do a little recap. The only thing this week is the SEC championship game. Yeah. Yep. So the plan is we'll do another pick em for the bowl games. Mm, okay. Lots of bowl-eligible SEC teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know all the – we're talking about, like, Kansas and the Liberty Bowl. Mm-hmm. I don't know all the – some people are able to be like, yeah, a, oh, the this bowl will want this and this matchup. Yeah. I'm thinking, like, I've if you're a lower-level bowl and you have an SEC team, you I feel like you would want the Mizzou-Kansas game. Oh, 100%. But I mean, I guess I think Texas A&M is going to bring a huge crowd wherever they go. Yeah, but I think there's just um, – I don't know that Missouri wants that bowl. I think uh, – They want to go to Vegas. I think the Liberty Bowl is maybe the same day as a basketball game. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's some things at play where I don't think Missouri wants the Liberty Bowl, and so maybe there's some pushback from Missouri's side. I don't know. There's a ton uh, going on with the, with all the bowl stuff. There's probably like three or four different bowls that I wouldn't be surprised to see Missouri in. I've seen ten to twenty different projections from different outlets. Like yeah. it's just it's completely up in the air. But I think Missouri probably ends up in Birmingham potentially against uh, like I don't even know AAC team or, or you know whatever like against a lower level team or I think we'll have to play know. like a top ten like Tulane or something. <laughs> That would be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Tulane, like, would make the 12-team playoff, but since that doesn't exist, we play them in a bowl game and they destroy us. Yeah. Well, I think our opponent probably determines how we use our personnel a little bit, too. I mean, if, we, if we're playing Kansas in the Liberty Bowl, which is not out of the picture, uh, yeah, I think we're trying to win the game with Brady Cook. If we're playing in Birmingham against some random, I don't know, like Memphis or something like that, then I think Sam Horn might be playing. I don't know. Mm. A lot of time to think about it. Yeah. All right. How did we pick last anyway, week? Anyway, uh, last week, Cameron got five points. Kyle got five points. I got six, and the guest pickers got seven. Classic. <laughs> seven? Yeah. Goodness. So season total is Cameron has 63. Guest pickers has have 72. Kyle has 74, and I have 80. I think this is a done deal. They almost caught you. I know. Doesn't matter though. No. Second place is the first. The first out of the winning. Yes, first loser. Oh yeah. I think that's what the phrase is. That's yeah. But you yeah you got it right. Okay. You, you nailed it. Is that it? That's it. You got LSU, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. We will. Can LSU even challenge them? I'm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't want to watch LSU with. Wingo and Daniels, who should have, well, yeah. What's his face? Uh, Kelly. Oh, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Ugh. Yeah, LSU just. Who, like, why do people, God. who wants to go play for him? Who wants to go play for these people? I don't know. Who wants to go play for him? Jimbo Fisher? Who wants to play for, uh, clearly no one wants to play for Jimbo. That's true. 
They're that, getting the bag and then they're going out somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> I love that, honestly. Oh my gosh, just exploiting the system. Go take their money and then come to Mizzou. <laughs> come to Mizzou, all of them. <laughs> the good ones. <laughs> that's that's the new, like, uh, that's the meta. Is like recruit players to go get paid elsewhere and knowing that they're yeah. actually just going to come to your school. Like, hey, yeah, just go down, down the road to Jimbo. Yeah. Uh, act like you want to play for him and then like throw every game and get paid and then then we'll then we'll talk that's like that's like actual like mob stuff <laughs> like how the mafia would run college football like, we're we're on that borderline we're getting there yeah. all right are we done here yeah mm-hmm. special thank you to our patreon supporters at the ten dollar level and above Britt trees brian smith ryan demore Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy, JD, Luis Hernandez, Tim Keynes, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks. Thank you. Thank you, fellas. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod. You can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod.bigcartel.com. If you're still listening at this point, leave us a like, please. <laughs> please. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.